There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings-on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Philly Podcast. True crime, haunted history, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome, Welcome to, to Twisted Philly. Welcome back to Twisted Philly. I'm your host, Dina Marie. So you all know how much I love Philadelphia history. I love our history and history in general, probably even more than I love the paranormal and true crime, if that's possible. The interesting thing is, sometimes these topics collide and intersect, and that's what I love the most. This week I had the opportunity to meet a delightful man who owns Philadelphia's oldest continuous operating alehouse in the city. That's McGillan's. If you're not familiar with McGillan's old alehouse, it's on Drury Street between Juniper and 13th. Drury is a tiny little street and McGillan's is pretty much the only business there. You can't miss it. There's this enormous old-fashioned neon sign on the front of the building, and the building looks very much the way it did almost 160 years ago, although since then the owners have acquired more property on Drury, and it's definitely expanded. McGillan's is an institution in Philadelphia. It's a huge part of our history in the city, and while there may be a few older taverns or alehouses, none have been operating continuously throughout history for as long as McGillan's. And none have quite the history that McGillan's does, nor do they have an impact on the country's perspective of Philly as a beer town. I know that's important to so many Philadelphians and so many listeners. I have a ton of friends who are beer guys or beer girls like Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys, my bestie Pricey and her husband, my friends Jackie and Jeremy. McGillan's really puts Philly on the map when it comes to beer. And it's haunted, which makes me so happy. So how did I get connected with Chris Mullen, the owner of McGillan's? Well, it was Irene Levy Baker, whom I met back in January when I interviewed her about her book, 100 Things to Do in Philadelphia Before You Die. Irene asked if I'd like to meet Chris and talk to him about the history of McGillan's for the show, and of course the hauntings and the great food and beer. I immediately said yes and thank you, so it was Irene who made this episode happen. I met up with Chris Mullen on a Monday at McGillan's. It had rained a little that morning and there were puddles on Drury Street as I walked to the front of the alehouse. Some of you saw the video I posted on social media that day. And Chris is an adorable older gentleman with white hair and glasses and a white mustache that doesn't have handlebars, but there's a bit of mischief in his smile, which makes me wonder if he ever would grow a handlebar mustache. Of course, I didn't ask him that question. But I had so many other questions for Chris Mullen. Chris and I headed upstairs to the second floor where it was quieter. There was still some music playing in the background. And we talked about craft beer, McGillan's reputation as one of the premier alehouses in Philadelphia, as well as the country, and the history of this amazing pub. And Irish potato martinis, which, while I seldom drink anything other than wine and an occasional beer, that sounds pretty damn fantastic. So I spent some time on your website, and I was really impressed with the reputation that McGillan's has. So just a couple of standouts, you know, the 155th anniversary of McGillan's was just two years ago. 
that was cited in USA Today. You are ranked one of the four coolest bars in the entire United States. That was just a couple of years ago in Gourmet Magazine. You're one of the reasons that CNN named Philly one of the eight best beer towns in the entire United States. One of the best Irish bars in the U.S. that same year by the Travel Channel. That's a big reputation to uphold. So how do you do it? We just try to stick true to our roots. When you walk up the street, you see the sign. It says McGillan's Old Ale House. So that's the first thing. We are an ale house. We're, we are beer-centric. We've always been beer-centric. We were, we were the first bar in Philadelphia to embrace craft beer. and oh, okay. es- Especially locally brewed craft beer. And that has been our, our niche in the, in the marketplaces, is focusing on beer. Not the greatest beers in the world, not the greatest beers in the United States, but the best beers from our local region. So it's really local, a real focus local, on yes. Philly. Is it southeastern PA? Is it the tri-state no, area? No, it's the tri-state. Okay. We'll, we'll extend up into New York. Uh, we'll get down into Maryland, Virginia. So just with, with a, we try to stay within 100 miles of the Philadelphia area. You talk so much about beer, and I was reading about some of the history of the pub, the impact that Prohibition had on McGillan's, and it seemed like that was the first time that they'd ever served food because, you know, alcohol is, was prohibited. Right. This was a, a straight-ahead bar, okay. a saloon kind of place. Uh, if they had food, and the origin of that is a little bit muddled, but I'm presuming... Uh, what I've heard is Mama McGillan used to roast potatoes on the fireplace okay. and give them out to her customers. But when Prohibition came, obviously they had to do something yeah. uh, to keep keep running, and that's what they did. They, they embraced food. Okay, so, Chris, you mentioned potatoes. There was something that really struck me. What is an Irish potato martini? It has... Because uh, the word beer isn't anywhere in that. No, it's a, it's, it has coconut and cream and vanilla vodka. Okay. So. Craft beers and history. Could there be a better combination anywhere? I love that McGillan's has been a family-owned business forever. And in all of that time, there's only been two different families tied to the ownership. Certainly different generations within each family, for sure. But there's something to be said for maintaining a legacy like that. I wanted to hear from Chris about Ma and Pa McGillan, the couple who opened this alehouse with their family back in 1860, which, mind you, was the same year Abraham Lincoln was elected president. Yeah, that was a long time ago. So what was the name before McGillan's? Because I think, was it Bell and Hand, The Bell in Hand Tavern. Bell in Hand Tavern. Right. But what, what happened, again, this is the next part of our roots, it's McGillan's old alehouse. So... McGillan, everybody would say, we're going to McGillan's to see, we're going to go see Bill McGillan, we're going to see Pa McGillan, we're going to see Ma McGillan. So they said, oh, the heck with it. They changed the name to McGillan's. Okay. So that was the surname of the original yes, owner. Yes, William McGillan. And the pub opened in 1860, so there was really nothing else that old here. Right. There were, I'm sure there were a lot of other bars uh, in, the, in Philadelphia, right. uh, clearly taverns, etc. I mean, it's a, this is an old city. The city moved west from the river. Yeah. So we were we were at the forefront of that. Bob uh, was wise enough to buy this, purchase this property, and uh, this literally the city grew up around the bar. Has the property always maintained this entire space, like as as large as it is, the two floors? Okay. Well, when you walk in, if you walk up to the front of McGillan's and you look straight on to the front of McGillan's, there's, there's actually three pieces of real estate. Okay. And the original McGillan's was in the middle, and facing the front of McGillan's to the right was the was an oyster house. And to the left, okay. McGillan's had his home, and he raised his family, 13 children. Pretty small space. <laughs> I would imagine and, so. And he was a busy man, 
both day and night. So he kept busy. Between the family and the pub. Yeah. 13 kids. 13 flipping kids. Could you imagine? I know one person who can imagine, and that's a friend of mine who is the second youngest of 16 children. 13 children in that one building on Drury Street, which wasn't as big as it is today. It was two floors, the ale house on the first floor, and all 13 children, plus Ma and Pa McGillan on the second floor. In that very spot where Chris and I sat with our ice water and my microphone. I looked around while Chris told me that story, and I tried to imagine 13 beds, or maybe seven beds with two occupants in each, plus space for Ma and Pa, 15 people sharing that room, and it's incredible. We live in houses today that could probably hold two, maybe even three times the people who inhabit them, and we feel like we're running out of space, and yet we're not running an alehouse there at the same time. In 1901, Bill McGillan passed away, and an unlikely business person took over running the alehouse. His wife, Catherine, took over the yes, pub. Yes, yes. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. It's okay. his second wife, Catherine oh. McGillan. His first wife uh, had passed at some point, and so this was a, a younger, new wife that he had, and I... I believe it was about half and half, half of the children were from the first wife and half of the second. Okay, I didn't know that. So that's that. how she was able to survive so much longer into the end of Prohibition. Okay. So she did take over and she ran this bar. So that must have been a really unusual experience because when you think about the period of Prohibition and before that, I can't even imagine women were allowed in bars in that time of our yes. country. Yes, exactly. Was it just because through inheritance or estate she was able to run it or... You know, I don't know the legal ramifications of it, but clearly because she inherited the bar, she was the owner by the laws of inheritance, and she ran it. She's a tough woman. She uh, she managed to, to hold her end of the bargain. I saw some stories about um, her being not just tough, but really beloved in the city of Philadelphia. Yes, yes. Can you tell me anything about well, that? I'll tell you. It, people would come out on her birthday. She used to give out carnations on her birthday. When she died, it was one of the largest funerals ever for a woman in Philadelphia at that point in time. Wow. So, so I understand hundreds, if not thousands of people came to her funeral. Catherine McGillan was a formidable woman. She was loved by the city of Philadelphia. So think about it. She's raising 13 children without her husband, some theirs, some his. Her husband passed away at the turn of the century, and now she's running an alehouse, one of the busiest and most popular bars in the city. Philadelphians loved her and her husband so much. Ma and Pa McGillan, they never used the name of the tavern, which, as Chris mentioned, was called Bell in Hand. They called it McGillan's. It wasn't until 1910 that the name was officially changed, nine years after Pa's passing. People celebrated the end of the Civil War at McGillan's. They continued hanging at McGillan's even during Prohibition, a time when so many other taverns closed their doors, which makes me wonder, was there anything else Catherine McGillan was serving out of the kitchen besides potatoes and eventually cheesesteaks and ice cream? Could she have been sneaking in a little whiskey? Or was it simply that everyone just loved McGillan's and they loved her? Now, Chris mentioned her funeral and the carnations, and when she died in 1937, Broad Street was shut down for her funeral. 
one of the busiest streets in our city was shut down for her funeral procession. While McGillan's may have been opened by Bill McGillan, it was his wife, Catherine, who kept that legacy going. And she did it in a way that made the city fall completely head over heels in love with her. So how did Chris Mullen and his family come into the picture? I mentioned the bar has been owned by just two families, although multiple generations within each of those families. The McGillans were the first. When Ma McGillan passed away, her daughter Mercedes McGillan Hooper ran the alehouse for over 20 years. Yeah, another strong woman in the McGillan clan. I love that. I'll let Chris tell you how he and his wife Mary Ellen came to be the proprietors of McGillan's for almost 25 years. We're going to talk a little bit about his experiences there and some impressive guests. So how did you and your wife and your family get involved in McGillan's? Well, the McGillan's, which Ma uh, passed, she did survive Prohibition and managed to reopen the bar after Prohibition, but died a couple years later. Her daughter Mercedes uh, took it over, Mercedes McGillan, later Mercedes McGillan Hooper, and she and her son ran it until 1958. And then in 1958, Joe, Sp- Joe Chapagnac and Henry Spaniak, two brothers, bought it okay. from the McGillan family. And then uh, my wife and I purchased it from those the, the two brothers in uh, uh, 1993. Are there any members of your family? I my, thought I read something about your son. My son is here as well. He okay. is, uh, essentially, he's running the place. He's, he's, I would classify him as the general manager. My wife is here right as we speak. She's in the basement cooking. Uh, she comes in three days a week and does a lot of the cooking. And I'm here five days, but Chris is here running the place uh, mo- most days. He's in charge. So the tradition of really maintaining this as a family-owned Yes. An operated business is, is very much alive with yes. you and your family. Yes. Well, I know you just probably had big celebrations for St. Patrick's Day. How busy does this place get around that time we of year? We have thousands of people come through here on wow. St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and also New Year's Day okay. is also another huge day here. It's actually, St. Pat- New Year's Day is almost larger, or is larger, really? many times than St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Close to 3,000 people uh, went through here on St. Patrick's Day. So you've had some pretty famous guests come here to McGillan's. I mean, it's an institution in Philadelphia. Tennessee Williams, you know, a long time ago. Joe Biden, a little more recently. Who are some of your favorites that have come through? The Marx Brothers. Oh, wow! W.C. Fields. The Barrymores. Not, not, the, not uh, the latest Barrymore. John Barrymore. John and Ethel Barrymore okay. were uh, frequent, frequent at the place. This used to be the nexus of the theatrical district of Philadelphia and there was a theater right around the corner called the Garrett Theater and the fam- those famous folks would come in here before the shows after the shows even during intermission you know they imbibe in the back come in the back door from the theater and people always said the second half of the show is always better than the first <laughs> and I think that's we had something to do with that they had a few cocktails and possibly <laughs> possibly that's I had no idea that there was uh, I mean obviously Broad Street's right just a few blocks away right. with the Wilma and, right. and the Arden and, and everything there are things, of course all newer theaters but yeah Chestnut Street and of course the Walnut Street Theater is the oldest theater in the United States yes still in existence and uh but the Garrick is right around the corner. And the here. Prince is right up the street, so that's yep. not yes. too far. Yep. Uh, there no. are remnants of all kinds of theaters along Chestnut. Now, McGillan's is first and foremost an alehouse. That was one of the very first things that Chris said to me, that they've stayed true to their roots. They've got amazing craft beers, great food, good times, day and night. 
I wanted to talk with Chris about a few of my favorite parts of McGillen and give him the chance to talk about what he loves about this alehouse, into which he and his family invest so much love, not only for McGillen's, but for Philadelphia. I started by asking him what he would want all of you to know, what's important to him and important to McGillen's, and there's quite a bit. How did you start the collection of old Philadelphia signage? Well, I guess I'd have to say the first sign that was given to us was given to us by John Connors from Brickstone Real Estate. When they were developing the Watermaker building, gave us one of those signs. And from there, it just flowed. For me, it's one of the most charming things about the space because it brings back so many memories of childhood and holiday shopping downtown with parents and grandparents and to see Wanamaker's and the old soda fountain counter at Woolworths. It's just... Litz, it's such a nice touch. Litz and Gimbel's and uh, and more recently we have Lebec Venice up there. And I saw that. Warwick, the, the hotel that was given to us as well. So. I mean, they're Philadelphia institutions and it's nice to see them on your wall. <laughs> There's so much. I had to hesitate <laughs> for a minute. Uh, well, lay it on I, me, Chris. I, I would say that, you know, we're, we're family friendly. Definitely late at night, it's, it's young people and it's a straight ahead drinking place. But during the day, we have uh, folks of all ages from from infants up to, you know, seniors coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as the night goes on, it becomes very young. Yeah. And I, I discourage people from bringing their children. But, you know, in the early part of the evening and weekdays and, and weekends on the weekend, we get families of all ages. So that's a fun part. Previously, we were busy at lunch, very busy at lunch. People used to eat out a lot more at lunch. And lately, the, the trend is not. They eat at their desks. They go work out. They do some shopping. So you don't get all, as many business people. But now, Philadelphia has become a 24-hour city. And yeah. tourism has become a big part of the of our economy. So you have people coming in uh, for the historic sites. They'll bring their family in or uh, coming in for conventions and that type of thing. Okay, now this wouldn't be complete unless we talked about beer and food and what you are going to taste and enjoy when you visit McGillan's. I had no idea that McGillan's has their own craft brews, and they're made by a local brewery right here in Pennsylvania. Talk about keeping it local and supporting Pennsylvania and Philadelphia businesses. What beer do you recommend? If you were to pick a couple uh, of beers, what would you recommend I, for somebody new? Uh, the McGillan's Ales are great. We have a McGillan's IPA, which is our newest beer. It was in commemoration of our 150th anniversary. And it was brewed. We got a panel of local beer writers and, and aficionados to get together and taste various renditions. And that was a result of that. So that's a great one. This McGillan's 1860 IPA. It's also available in bottles if you're fortunate enough to be near a distributor that carries it. And then we have McGillan's Real Ale. I mean, McGillan's um, Lager, genuine lager. The Real Ale is English-style ale, similar to a bass. And the, the McGillan's Lager is a uh, German-style lager. They're all made by Stouts okay. Brewery out in Adamstown, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, I know where that is. They're made yeah. for us. All right, so McGillan's IPA, the 1860 IPA for the 150th anniversary. And then the McGillan's Ale, which would be comparable to a Bass Ale. Yes. And the McGillan's Stout? Uh, uh, lager. Lager, I'm lager. sorry. Lager. lager. I don't drink beer that often, but like summertime, really cold, something light. You know, yeah. I tend to go for the lighter ones, yeah. not so much, you well, know. The lager would fit that category, but our IPA is not a, a typical IPA because it's made with American hops. Okay. So it's, a, it's not as powerful. It's not one of these 8 or 9% alcohol beers. It's got a, a citrusy flavor to it. We're, we're noted for you know comfort food, so shepherd's pie uh, uh. is real good. We have a mile high meatloaf, 
What's is, mile high meatloaf? You know, it's, it's layered with mashed potatoes and uh, slices of meatloaf, and then top with an onion ring. So that's great. Wow. The fish and chips, uh, mostly on Fridays and Saturdays, and our wings are Philadelphia famous, and some people will say world famous, but they're large, great wings. But and a burger's great too. And you said your wife actually right now while we're chatting, your wife's in the basement cooking. Yeah. So is she? One of the chefs, is she like a head chef? She's more or less like the head chef. She does a lot of the, the soups and the preparation sauces, tries to influence the specials, get our we have two full time chefs. Okay. Each of whom so I always have one on premise and they're in charge of the kitchen. Was that Irish potato martini her idea? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna say. I'm so captivated I, 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 I by that. To step on someone's toes. It was one of our managers or my son, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not much of a martini drinker, but when I see names and flavors like that, it's just so enticing. Well, we do them for every every season. Like right now, we have a Philly teeny, and the next week is the ESPN uh, draft. I mean, the draft, NFL draft yes. has come to town. So we're going to have the Eagle teeny. We'll bring that back. We usually just do that during the... Uh, An Eagle teeny? Please don't ask me what's in it. I won't. I, don't, I, don't, I won't. I, I'm is not it green? The bar enough. It's green, yes. <laughs> Yes. yes. So anybody that wants to celebrate the draft, whether you're excited about what's happening or you're miserable about what's happening. Oh, no, be good. This will be a good place to come. Yes. Get some great food and try the Eagle Teeny. I think that sounds fantastic. Yes. Okay. Mile high meatloaf. Now, you guys know I don't eat meat. I mean, I don't eat beef and pork. I eat chicken and fish. But that sounds pretty amazing. And I'm definitely going to take my daughter down to check that out because she is a huge meatloaf fan. It will for sure just be the fish and chips for me. I know a couple of guys that would probably tear up that mile high meatloaf. Yes. I shouldn't just say guys because my kid is a huge meatloaf fan. She would tear that yeah, up. It's, it's great. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned it's family friendly because I, I just I hadn't thought about, you know, bringing my. And I mean, she's a teenager, but I just hadn't thought about bringing her. And I really should. Great. It's fun. It's fun. They enjoy it. Uh, people set call and say, are you guys family friendly? And I said, the only difference between a five-year-old and a 21-year-old, when the five-year-old has to vomit, they know how to find the bathroom. <laughs> the 21-year-old can never find the bathroom in time. But they both are the same. They fall off their chairs. They spill things. Throw a little they, bit of a tantrum they, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes there's tantrums. <laughs> I'm leaving that yeah, in if you're okay with it. Uh, that's fine. That's brilliant. That's fine. <laughs> And that line about a five-year-old versus a drunk 21-year-old, that has got to be one of the funniest lines I've ever heard. I remember what happened on my 21st birthday. My boyfriend and my best friend at the time brought me home, practically poured me out of the car, and I landed on my parents' front lawn vomiting. Yeah, you'd think that they would have cut me off at some point, but they didn't. So, Chris, you are correct when you say the primary difference between a five-year-old versus a 21-year-old who's been drinking, is one of them can find the bathroom and the other one can't, because I sure as hell proved that many years ago. I mentioned early on in this episode that McGillin's is haunted, so you're probably wondering, when am I going to ask Chris about the ghosts? Well, I didn't want to start out asking about the ghost of Mama McGillin. He'd think I was a ghost freak, um, which, well, you all know I'm a ghost freak. But of course I asked him about the legend of Mama McGillin haunting the alehouse. You know, one of the stories that people always talk about is that McGillin's is possibly haunted with the ghost of Catherine McGillin, Ma McGillin, who ran right. this pub for many years. Right. What do you have to say about that? Well, there, we've had several of the uh, paranormal societies come in here 
and stay overnight and take photos and pictures and, and really? have all kinds of sensors. And they have attested to the fact that there are there are spirits here in this building. Uh, you mentioned Mom McGillan, and that's one of the more prominent ones. But actually, one of the paranormal societies sensed a presence of Pa McGillan in almost the exact spot where he died. Because he died on premises, or he had a heart attack on premises. He passed he, away in the basement, I he, think? Yeah, he was, okay. he was installing a heating system. Uh, we were one of the first bars in the city to have air conditioning, and we may have wow. been one of the first places to have a central heating system. So he was probably doing the work himself. Uh, you know, sometimes men of a certain age have a hard time backing off, and <laughs> he probably overexerted himself, and the rest is history. Wow. And then in this room where we're sitting right now, there have been people have felt a presence at the, the front end of this bar. Mama Gillen celebrated her 85th birthday up in this room here. So it could be Ma's spirit as well. Have any of the employees had experiences or seen they've, things? They've had, they have mentioned strange stuff like things falling from shelves inexplicably, you know, after hours when there's nobody around and no reason for it. Yeah. They've had instances of the TVs turning on and off. Ma is, you know, very disheartened to see us having so many TVs in here. Okay. But it's part of what we, what <laughs> She's we do a bit right of now. a traditionalist, yes. I guess. She would like to limit it to conversation, I'm sure. I didn't realize that there were paranormal investigations. Yes. Was that, you know, in recent years? Within was it? the last 10 years, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever thought about um, opening something like that up to your patrons? In what regard? Like hosting a paranormal night? It's for... never occurred to us. No. <laughs> I, being, you know, hosting a show called Twisted Philly, those kinds of things cross my mind all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm a big fan of the strange and unusual, yes. for sure. Okay, if McGillan's ever holds a public seance, I just want to go on record as saying I may have given Chris Mullen that idea. Chris and I chatted for a little while longer, even after I stopped recording. I remarked about the beautiful bar on the second floor and the architecture of the building. We talked for a while about our mutual acquaintance, Irene Levy Baker, and the PR company she owns, which works with Chris and the team at McGillan's. We talked about Stout's Brewery, the company that brews McGillan's craft beers. I really enjoyed my time with Chris so much, and I know when you go to McGillan's, you're going to enjoy your time there too. Take a walk around the first floor and see how many signs you can find from old Philadelphia businesses. Or better yet, see if you can find every liquor license dating back to the late 1800s the only years that are missing are those during Prohibition between 1920 and 1933. And if you sit upstairs, look over at the corner in the front of the building between the bar and the window to see if Mama Gillen is lurking there, ready to turn off the television. Be sure to try that mile-high meatloaf. If you're there around the draft, take a sip on an Eagle Teeny. And I'm looking forward to McGillan's Lager this summer. McGillan's is open seven days a week, except for major holidays, from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. There's family-friendly during the day, more of a drinking crowd at night, so if you're heading to McGillan's after dinner, be sure to get a sitter for the Little Twisters. I can't thank Chris Mullen enough for the time he spent with me and bearing with me through all of the questions I threw at him. And I must again thank Irene for making the introduction. You can find out more about McGillan's on their website at mcgillans.com. That's M-C-G-I-L-L-I-N-S dot com. 
And if you want to grab a copy of 100 Things to Do in Philly Before You Die, which McGillan's is in that book, you can order one on Irene's website at 100thingstodoinphiladelphia.com. And don't forget, if you mention in the comments you heard about her book on Twisted Philly, Irene will even autograph it for you. As always, thank you so much for listening. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.